Welcome along to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead, and as usual, I'm joined by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. On Saturday evening, we learned that the television presenter Caroline Flack had taken her own life at the age of just 40. Caroline was a popular and talented entertainer, yet she had a deeply troubled personal life. In this week's podcast, Greg and I discussed the sort of society we live in and to what extent the media, and indeed social media, is to blame for Caroline's death. But first, we're going to take a few minutes to listen to some words by broadcaster Alex Belfield, which he recorded very shortly after Caroline's death was announced on Saturday. Alex received a great deal of criticism for his comments on social media, but for me, he's hit the nail on the head. Let's listen to what he had to say. When will we learn our lesson? I sit here a 40-year-old man reading of the death of a 40-year-old woman who wanted to be a star, wanted to be a star her whole life. The last time I saw Caroline Flack, she was in the West End in Chicago and didn't actually do a bad job. That's because she's theatre trained. Yet in recent years, she's been obsessed with being a celebrity. She moved away from theatre, a credible trade, and wanted to join the rat race of who could be the most famous. We have created the most vacuous, narcissistic generation of people ever who sell themselves on vanity, looks, appearance, and not on their talent or their personality, let alone their goodwill or kind nature. I don't know when we're going to learn our lesson about society in 2020, but it seems to me we are simply creating a generation of narcissistic, selfish, self-obsessed people who simply want to be famous. And when they get there, it isn't what they think it's going to be. It's not half as glamorous as they think it's going to be. And if they achieve that rare 0.1% goal of being a star like Caroline Flack, it's totally and utterly vacuous and empty. It's fleeting and you're replaced within a second and no one gives a shit. When you're taken off the most famous program on TV in 2019, And by 2020, you're no longer on it and nobody's talking about you. The impact on a person's mind at this level of celebrity must be unthinkable. We don't know what happened to Caroline Flack. She's been found dead, age 40, a beautiful, stunning, talented girl who has found herself on the front of the papers, like so many, for the worst possible reason. Her celebrity now will be bigger than ever, and that's the irony. It will sell more papers tomorrow, the fact she's dead than alive. We have to stop this culture of me, 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 me. We have to stop promoting these people and get back to the essence of talent and kindness and happiness. Not on being a dopey celebrity. She won't be the last. I see so many people like Caroline who are lost. I see so many like Caroline who are obsessed with being famous for what they don't know, but they want to be famous. She's achieved her goal. Infamy. Dead at 40. And it's a travesty of a young, talented star who if only she'd have been better managed, if only she'd have been able to stick to what she did best, which was the stage performing and singing, we may not be having this conversation today. But lest we forget, a year ago, she was the talk of the town, the presenter from Love Island that everybody loved. And now, a year on, who? Already replaced. And yet, isn't it ironic, the programme that she presented is a show that celebrates vacuous hot people with no talent. Simply there for vanity. Simply there to be ogled and looked at because they're beautiful, have big tits or huge penis. 
nothing else. We have to learn our lesson. Rest in peace, Caroline. My thanks to Alex Belfield for allowing us to use that clip. I thought that was uh, very well said by Alex um, on Saturday evening. He recorded that shortly after the news was announced. Greg, first of all, I think you'll likely want to join me in expressing your condolences to the family and the friends of Caroline Flack. Um, it's a tragedy for somebody to die at 40 years of age. Um, Caroline Flack was undoubtedly a very talented theatre performer. We know that. And as Alex alluded to there, she chose a very different path for herself. In She was putting her name to all sorts of down-market, trashy television programs. And this is a product of this vacuous, narcissistic generation. They are chasing fame for fame's sake. They don't know why they want it. They don't know what it's going to be like when they get there. It's nowhere near as glamorous as they think it's going to be. It's a very shallow, superficial world they're entering. And then when your time passes, you're dropped like a hot potato. It's fleeting. Everything moves on very quickly. Even before what happened to Caroline Flack on Saturday, there had already been two suicides of Love Island contestants. We can't talk about the ongoing legal situation, Caroline Flack and the court case that was due to take place. But looking at the wider picture, we know she had her personal issues, okay. And then a bit of bad luck happens to her in life. These things happen. The press turned against her. It got very nasty for her. And she couldn't cope with that. Well, at the end of the day, firstly, my condolences to anybody who has family and friends whose life has reached a stage where it is no longer of use to them and... Uh, they opt for suicide. But it is their prerogative to take that ultimate uh, solution to their problem if they are inadequate to cope with the problems of their life. One has to feel sorry for those left behind, but in some ways one has to think that it's a happy release for the person who's done it, because their life was obviously so bad from their perspective that it wasn't worth living. The woke attitude that everything must make you feel happy and you're chasing illusory uh, values that at the end of the day are particularly vacuous. On that basis, I could have committed suicide every six months about something because not everything does go your way. Life is like that. Yes, but what we have here is somebody who clearly had ability. I was looking at some footage on YouTube earlier when she was in Chicago, I think it was, in the theatre. She was very good at that, and some of her early television work was also of, of a decent enough calibre. Yes, it was light entertainment, but it was decent enough. She chose to go down this, this road, and we know the damage that Love Island is doing, but for young people, what I'm trying to get across, the point is young people need to grasp that what, if you think this is something to aspire to, this sort of Love Island culture, I'm afraid it's not because it's so fleeting, it's so shallow, it's so superficial. You don't need any talent whatsoever to go on there. And it's not something to aspire to. And when are we just going to stop it and start admiring people of talent and ability and you have to have some kind of talent to get on television? This is a very shallow, superficial society we have created here. And we have created an absurd generation, I'm afraid. Oh, one looks at rows and rows of people who think they're comedians and desperately funny, who are t utterly tedious, um, foul-mouthed, and completely incompetent to hold down any kind of a job in the media. 
yet they are much vaunted and earn stupid salaries for it. I can understand uh, why people uh, look at holding down a serious and job because of their competence may well dash into situations because of the the glory of it and the stupid money they're paid for their incompetence. Well, what we have now is that I think back to when I was from about the, I, I was born in 1983. So in particularly my late teens and throughout my 20s into my early 30s, the culture I grew up in, particularly from around about the turn of the millennium onwards, was we had the start of Big Brother culture on Channel 4, as it was at the time. Now, what we see now is far, far more down market than Big Brother ever was. But there was a, a culture of that was the start of it, really. And then, OK, uh, whatever you may think of the original pop idol and programs like that, at least you had to be a good singer to succeed on it. Now, with Love Island, it's been taken down a few more notches. But what I found is that when I was in my teens, into my 20s, and even into my 30s, a lot of, I'll say this, particularly young women, and educated young women at that, these are not stupid people by any means, felt they had to be a part of this culture, you know, looking at OK and Hello Magazine and so forth. And they felt they had to watch these programs. And it was very hard a lot of the time with quite a lot of young British women to have a conversation with them that went beyond anything, beyond their jobs, what their immediate circle of friends was up to, and celebrity culture. They had virtually no interest in the wider world or more thoughtful things or more interesting things. If I were to say to them, what are your hobbies? What are your interests? What are your views on this, that, or the other? You could never get a good answer out of them. Now, we are at a stage now, this whole Love Island thing that seems to have grown over the last five years, which Caroline Flack presented for um, up until the incidents that happened last autumn. We have all got nowadays in 2020, at the click of a finger, access to whole libraries worth of films, entertainment, documentary, online reading material, ebooks, free courses we can take online. Yet a lot of young people, young women in particular, and I by that I mean women well into their 30s, feel they have to go to that, down this lowest common denominator trash route just to fit in with their friends. And I think that's a very dangerous route we've gone down. I think the scary thing is that it's not just women. You only have to look at the male comedians and how seriously unfunny nearly all of them are. Hmm. And I take comedians particularly um, because I see no comedy in foul language and poking fun at other people's stupidity, which seems to be the basis of all humour now. Um, well, we could, we could go down the route of uh, doing a whole podcast on the state of modern stand-up comedy, because it does seem to me when I watch certain programmes like Live at the Apollo, almost all of the comedians that appear on there are cut from the same cloth. They're mostly from the Oxbridge set. They've, they've got quite posh accents. And they have this sort of the same worldview where they make sneering remarks and snide remarks about people who support Brexit. They make snide remarks about the north of England. That's another common trait they have. Um, they've all got the same sort of woke, trendy opinions. You know, They'll throw in cheap jokes. I'm not a fan of the Daily Mail, but they love making cheap jokes about the Daily Mail. And they all have that same sort of uh, upper middle class cosmopolitan Oxbridge worldview, um, and and you're right. They're, they're all they're all from that same background. You think of the comedians of the past, or pe comedians we don't see on TV anymore. 
whether it's, uh, I, I don't know, the late Mike Reed or Jim Davidson or people like that, or even Bernard Manning, they would never get anywhere near television anymore because they're not part of that set. Uh, that the sort of comedians Johnny Hamp used to promote years ago from the 1960s onwards. We don't see them on television anymore. And I agree with you about the state of modern comedy, but that's just another aspect of what we're talking about now, about how you can get famous for, without really having any talent, it seems. But we're going to move on now to the reaction we saw on social media on Saturday night. And I know Alex Belfield got a lot of abuse for the video he put up. I didn't like a lot of the hypocrisy I saw. There was this hashtag, there were hashtags going around on Twitter and on Facebook, be nice, be kind. I'm sorry, if you have got a friend who you know is struggling with their mental health or is having a difficult time, you shouldn't need a be nice to each other day hashtag to pick up the phone and ask them or send them a WhatsApp or a text just to see if they're all right. You shouldn't need to do that. You can do it any day. Send them a text, send them a WhatsApp, pick up the phone and call them. They might be grateful of somebody to speak to. You shouldn't need to do this. Be kind every day, not just once. But looking at where we go from here, another big aspect of almost immediately, actually, on Saturday night was people calling for greater press regulation to, um, to protect people, protect vulnerable people and stop witch hunts and so forth. I am saying now to people very seriously, this is not a time for knee-jerk reactions and calls for legislation aimed against the press following Caroline Flack's tragic suicide. There are already laws in place against targeted harassment, whether by the press or by anybody else, but they are very hard to enforce. And much, most of this sort of abuse takes place from people behind, hiding behind pseudonyms on social media. And what would really help is people being required to provide photo ID when they're signing up for social media so they can easily be traced by the authorities if they break the law. Now, the government, any government of any color, would love to use a tragedy such as this as an excuse to censor the press because they hate being held to account and having their failings exposed. And that, at its best, is what the press does. So please, what I'd say to people listening now, please think before you start signing the many badly worded petitions that are doing the rounds today and in the last few days, and be very careful what you wish for. Yes, I know. A lot of the stuff you read in the red top tabloids is heavily embellished nonsense. I've been on the receiving end of it myself. I know what it's like to a certain extent. But please don't virtually post on uh, Facebook and elsewhere on social media that you'll stop buying papers. Because we know full well that hardly anybody under 50 buys newspapers anyway. And for that matter, how is sharing banal clickbait articles on social media from newspaper websites, whether it's the Sun or the Mirror or Mail Online, how is that actually any better than buying newspapers, putting articles, clickbait articles on your wall and saying, oh, look at this, look at this. There are a lot of double standards around at the moment. So what I'm saying is be careful what you wish for, because the, if, I don't believe there is a need to legislate here, by the way. I don't believe that. What I am saying is that even if there is a discussion to be had, this is not the time to do it when emotions are running high after what happened to Caroline Flack on Saturday. We have quite recently completed a multi-million pound um, media trial um, brought about in the main, one of the front runners was some actor who has an ability to read off of an auto cue or learn two minutes of lines to perform uh, written by someone else to perform in a manner required by a producer. 
or director or whatever they call themselves, and who, although supposedly in a stable relationship, was foolish enough um, to hire a prostitute in America and have sex with them in the car in a public place, and was very upset that a newspaper dared to publish this fact. Well, it's called live by the sword, die by the sword. He can't even make a living without publicity. He's in the media, in the movie business, for God's sake. We then get people saying that um, we can shut down newspapers for publishing material that they have obtained from mobile phones. Mobile phones that everybody knows are insecure. We have known for many years. We can actually name the actor who you were referring to a moment ago. It was Hugh Grant. And the story there is that uh, in the 1990s, he was caught with a prostitute who was no oil painting by any means. He was having sex with her in a car. And the irony of ironies there, he was in a relationship with the very beautiful Liz Hurley at the time. So he could have just gone home to see her, I suppose. But that's, that's the route he went down. Um, but this, Marcus, led to an incredible waste of public money and attempts to shut everything down. And it was as a result of the fact that people were recording things on their telephones that the news of the world was shut down. Yeah. One of the best investigative newspapers that Britain has ever had. Yeah, at its best, it absolutely was. And here's one of the things about um, a lot of people when they want to, on social media, want to beat Piers Morgan with a stick. They always say, ah, yes, you were phone hacking dead children, Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman. Excuse me, if that phone hacking that took place in the early 2000s, when it was very, very easy to hack those old phones in those days, if that phone hacking had led to Ian Huntley being caught before he had killed them, Piers Morgan would be a national hero, and rightly so, wouldn't he? Um, exactly the same thing um, with the little girl who was kidnapped, whose body turned up years later as a result of Belfield, whose name completely escapes me. Levi Belfield. Yeah. Not no, Alex but, Belfield, who we heard from earlier. Yes, who is in prison for multiple brutal murders. Um, and... Uh, I'm afraid the young girl who was kidnapped on her way home from school and subsequently killed, had they found that young girl locked in the garden shed prior to her death, being used as some sex toy by some ghastly pervert, they'd have all got MDEs. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot, there is a lot of double standards around at the moment. Now, I, do, I do say to people, please be very careful what you wish for uh, insofar as regulation of the press, because it will start with you saying people might deserve a bit more privacy than they get. And it will, it may clip the excesses of what we see with the, the gutter tabloids. If you like, it will not end there. It will end with us not being able to report what politicians are up to and misbehavior there and um, proper investigative journalism. It will have all sorts of unintended consequences. Believe me. And I'd like to end with a point going back to where we were earlier on. Um, I, I, we could talk about this for much, much longer, but sadly we don't have time. In terms of people who feel a need to, when you've got access to hundreds and hundreds of channels, you've got access to whole libraries of good films, good quality drama, good entertainment, 
You can access all sorts of good quality literature as well, but a touch of a button on your, on your gadgets these days, and yet you choose to watch ghastly rubbish like Love Island. I'd say to people this, we're all familiar with the saying, you are what you eat. You know what it means. It means if you eat the wrong foods, you will become overweight and you'll become ill. The same principle, I think, applies to entertainment. Now, there's nothing wrong with being entertained, but it's up to you, not those in charge of the TV channels, to make sure you're watching something wholesome because it will affect your morality and your attitudes in ways you don't realize. Now, what we see on Love Island would have been considered completely unacceptable 20 years ago. So the boundaries keep getting pushed further and further and further. Now, for crying out loud, for your own sanity and for your own health, do not watch this rubbish. It's not doing you any good. It's not doing the contestants any good. And don't watch it just because you feel you have to fit in with your friends and what they're gossiping about. If, that, if their lives are endless gossip about Love Island contestants, maybe you need some new friends because it is not healthy and this vacuous, narcissistic culture is not healthy. See you next week. Thank you for listening.